couple of additional announcements. We had a, a few of them here in the early part of the service, but wanted to uh, give you a quick update. Some of you have heard that one of these days we're supposed to be getting in a sport court. <laughs> At least that's what they keep telling us. Uh, our hope was that tomorrow was supposed to be the day that it was installed, uh, but we just found out that, well, like everything else, they're still running behind, and so it's going to probably be more like the end of the month now uh, rather than tomorrow. So um, just continue to keep praying, keep telling your friends about it, that we want this to be a, a place for our community, people to come to feel welcome and to find Jesus. That's, that's the real heart behind why we do it. So continue to pray that God would work that and we'd get it sometime this year would be great as well. Uh, but uh, the second thing I wanted to, to bring was uh, remind you of the baptism service uh, that's coming up in just a, a few weeks on the first Sunday of August. Uh, we're going to be having our baptism service outside. Uh, we have a few that have said that they're interested. If there are others, uh, make sure you sign up. You can talk to myself or one of the el uh, elders or one of our other pastors. Um, and we'd love to have a morning to celebrate what God is doing in lives. And so again, that's August 7th, Baptism Sunday. Uh, you want to come and celebrate anyways, no matter who is being baptized on that day. It's going to be a great morning. I know it's going to be a great morning. But... As I start this time, um, I wanted to kind of, have you ever wished that someone would have sat you down at some point in time and kind of said, I've got some things that you need to know? <laughs> have you ever had that? Have you ever experienced, you know, like you're going, you go down through life a little ways and you're like, you know, I really wish that somebody would have sat me down and said, okay, you're, you're going into this or you're going to do that. Here's some things you need to know. Rather than just kind of going in without any idea of what you're doing. You ever been there? Some of you are going, oh yeah. I wish somebody would have done that for me when it came to pregnancy and childbirth. <laughs> guys, we don't know what, what... Ladies, you guys are spending your whole life up to that time looking forward to that moment when you go into that doctor's office and they do that test on you and then they look at you with that smile and, and they say, congratulations, you're pregnant. And, and you know, as, as the, the lady, the mom, you're, you're just so excited. You just glow, right? And guys, what are we doing? We're asking the questions. What just happened? <laughs> Where does this go from here? I wish somebody would have sat me down and said, okay, Pete, you're heading into pregnancy. Here's some things you need to know. <laughs> it would have been helpful. For example, to know you're going into nine months where she has the flu, basically. <laughs> Just get it. She's going to be sick every day, all day. Just understand that. Okay, all right, that'll happen. Number two, you need to understand this. You are always wrong. It was amazing how that happened. You know, I'd walk home from work and, and she's not feeling well and, and yet she's got to eat. So she's like, so what are you thinking about doing for supper tonight? And I'm like, well, I was thinking I'd, I'd make this. Oh, no, you can't do that. Why not? It makes me sick just thinking about it. All right, well, then I'm going to go out and get something to eat. You'd be surprised how much I ate out during pregnancy. Oh, that sounds good. Where are you going to go? I was going to go to McDonald's. No, not McDonald's. Oh, that just won't work. 
Burger King? No, don't, the Burger King, that's too greasy. It just, just even driving past that makes me sick. All right, well, uh, how's about if I go to Subway? Oh, I can't do that. that. That one made me sick last week, so I can't eat that again. Long John Silver? No, don't do You find out, okay, how's about I go to the grocery store, I'll pick up some tuna, some pickles and ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about good. Oh, by the way, when you're on the way, French fries sound really good. Why don't you pick up yourself some French fries and I'll just have a couple. Okay, guys, here's my sit down with you. If your wife ever says, I will just have a couple, you know what that means? She's eating all of them. You're getting a couple. So, you know, these kinds of things, we don't understand. I remember going to the, to the doctor's office with Lynn, you know, it's like the monthly checkups. I'd go every once in a while, and she would hand us this, this little rubber baby, and she would say, this is what your baby looks like right now. And we'd get to hold it, and, and you know, and she would tell us all the nice things that are about that. And, and I'm hearing all, you know, it's like everybody's so excited about that day of birth, and, and you're in the hospital, and I'm not going to give you any details. You don't need to know details. All I need to tell you is this. TV has it all wrong. <laughs> there is nothing on TV <laughs> that happens like it is in that room. Nobody sat me down for that. I wish somebody would have sat me down and said, Pete, this is what you need to know. Have you ever sat down and thought, man, I wish somebody would have sat me down when I first became a Christian and told me what this was all going to entail. I know that there's a lot of people that when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, what they do is they they kind of go through that moment and and everyone's all excited because they just accepted Jesus in their heart and they're like, oh, life is going to be great. Go out there and be so excited about Jesus. And and maybe you want to go find a church and you can, and, and we kind of just let it roll with that. But how nice would it be is if that person that, that brought us to Jesus would sit us down and say, you are entering into a discipleship process with Jesus, there are some things you need to know about this. The amazing thing about this is that Jesus actually does that with his disciples. And he says in Luke chapter 12, you can turn there, and in Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 1, he pulls the disciples, well, it's actually a crowd, but he pulls them aside and he says, if you're going to follow me, here's some things you need to know. As a matter of fact, if you look in your Bibles, in the beginning, of it says there are warnings and encouragements, things you need to know. Starting at verse 1 of Luke chapter 12. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more 
than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be given, be, be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you're brought before synagogues, rulers, authorities, don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, there's a lot of things in there, and we're going to look at those. I wanted to just kind of take a moment before we jumped into the things that Jesus says, here's what you need to know. Because in this verse, there is this, this one statement in verse 10 where he talks about um, sins that are forgiven and sins that will not be forgiven. And you've probably heard the term unpardonable sin. And, and so Christians sometimes go through life going, oh man, what's the unpardonable sin and, and have I committed it, right? You ever kind of sit there and go, have I done that? Notice what Jesus is saying here quick. Because I think this is important for us to get. It will put our hearts at ease a little bit, help us to understand what he's talking about. Jesus in this moment was referring to what had happened recently in in his ministry. He had been doing all kinds of healings and he had been uh, uh, raising the dead, you know, performing miracles, doing incredible things. And what had happened was the, the Jewish leaders came to him, the Pharisees, and they were accusing Jesus of doing all of these miracles in the power of Satan. And, you know, you're, you're removing demons from people in the power of Satan, all of this. And so what Jesus was saying was, you cannot claim that what the Holy Spirit is doing is being done by Satan himself. That doesn't work. God or Jesus also knew the heart of the Pharisees to the place where no matter what he was going to say, it was not going to change their heart. So what this is not, he's not going into this and saying, oh, if you say something against God, then you've, you've done the unpardonable sin. Or if you've done a certain, that's not, let me, let me maybe kind of help put it a little bit clearer. If the Holy Spirit is working in your life, If there are times when you are still feeling that conviction of sin or you're feeling the prodding of the Holy Spirit in your life, even though you sin, do you understand that you have not committed whatever they call the unpardonable sin? Because the Holy Spirit is still at work in you. Where I would be worried is if you don't sense the Holy Spirit in your life anymore. Because what he's saying is this, you can reject, understand a person can reject God, vehemently reject God up until the moment that he's on his deathbed and can reach out to Jesus and say, I believe in the moment that he's going to be leaving this earth, as long as he doesn't, he will still be, remember the, the thief on the cross? He's sitting there, he goes, remember me today. That guy had lived his whole life rejecting God. As long as the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to spend much time on that unpardonable sin. It's just kind of one of those things I think that we, we kind of go, oh, what is it? What's it about? Jesus said it's the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, claiming that the things of God are of the devil and believing that and making that statement out there. That's what he was saying in this passage. 
All right? But then Jesus goes on and he says, here, there are some things that you need to know. Disciples, these are some things that you need to know. To the church of today, these are some things that you need to know. And I'm going to tell you this. These are all very simple things. For starters, basically, Jesus looks at me and says, be who you say you are. If you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, be who you say you are. He goes, look at the, he goes, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, is he saying, he's not saying avoid the bakery, all right? He's not saying don't go into their house and eat their matzah bread or whatever they, they may, you know, don't, don't, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is their actions. He says, guys, this is what the scenario is. They claim to be these great people. They claim to be religious. They claim and say the right things. They give all of the laws, but the worst part of it is they don't do it. Who they are on the inside is not who they're portraying on the outside. He goes, these are the worst of the hypocrites out there. Don't be like them. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then live as a follower of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter five, uh, 7, sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, we've read this before. He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. In the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. This was one of those Pharisees, this is who you are. You can see clearly everybody else's faults, but you can't even deal with your own. And he's saying the heart is this, be who you say you are, so that way when it comes to helping others, you are able to help them. You're not condemning them. You're not judging them. Jesus takes it a little further in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And he says that we know that we have all come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Exactly what Jesus said. Be who you say you are. Don't do it. Don't live this way because this was the other part of the Pharisees is they loved to do things so that people would recognize them, right? It's like, oh man, they, they wore the nice clothes. They did the... the all of the religious acts in front of people because they wanted to be elevated in everybody else's. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Be who you say you are because you want to please God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, talks about it. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness. I like that. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Okay, now that doesn't mean don't be righteous in front of people. <laughs> All right. What he's saying is, don't do the things so that people will give you the pat on the back. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, but pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now understand that these are both good things. Giving is a good thing. Praying is a good thing. This is not a statement saying, oh, you should never have a public prayer time. (laughs) What he's saying here is it's all about the heart. Be who you say you are because that's what God has called us to be. Not because of we're trying to do something to elevate ourselves, which actually is the second part that Jesus brings in here, where he says, fear God, not man. See, a lot of times it's easy for us to do those things that may make people happy. Any, any people pleasers here? <laughs> All right. A lot of times we are called to stand against the grain. There are things that we as believers and as followers of Jesus have to take a stand in and against because it goes against the word of God. But when it comes to these times, do I fear God or do I fear man? Am I afraid of what's going to happen? I love how Jesus puts this in the text. He goes, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. I'm kind of afraid of that. I mean, there's this thought of, they can kill you. <laughs> I mean, if, if they can kill you, that's a pretty significant thing. But God is saying, no, 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 understand this. Sure, they can kill you. They can take your life, but that's all that they can do. If you truly follow me, and this is what he says. He goes, if you're following me, this is the reality. They can take your life, but look what happens. As soon as they take your life, you're in heaven. They take your life as a child of God. You are now in eternity and you get to experience heaven at its fullest. They can't touch that. He says, however, fear the one who not only can take your life, but can also remove heaven from your equation. See, we live in this dot, and this dot is such a powerful time that we find ourselves, I mean, is anybody here really scared that when they talk about Jesus, someone's going to kill them for it? That's not really a, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going, could it happen? Absolutely. We've seen it, that people have lost their lives for the name of Jesus. It happens. But really, if you look statistically at this, when you talk to somebody, they're not going to kill you on the spot because you talk about Jesus. We might lose face. We might be made fun of. We might be pushed away from them. And so what happens is we fear that aspect of it. Paul understood this. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 1.10, this is what he says. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He goes, sure, I can preach whatever makes you feel better. I can preach some really great stuff that when you walk out of the synagogue or out of the church or out of the temple or whatever, when you hear, you can walk away going, wow, God is so absolutely incredible. 
God is awesome, right? I mean, I mean today we can do that. Right? We can preach anything that could bring a person afterwards walking out the door and going, wow, that was just, oh, my heart is so full today. But what we're finding is actually, in a lot of cases, we don't like to talk about the hard things. We don't, like to deal with, we don't like to deal with sin. You know, pastor, don't talk about sin because if you talk about sin, then you might make somebody uncomfortable. And if you make them uncomfortable, they'll leave and they won't want to come back again. And we, we don't want that. We don't, we don't want people walking away. You know what, pastor, don't meddle in people's business. You know, this whole holiness, you know, be holy because I'm holy, it's impossible. You know, don't, don't push that so much because... You know, people will, they'll get disenfranchised. They, they won't, they'll feel like they can't do it. So then they're going to go leave and they're going to go look for another place that's going to tell them that God loves them and that everything is great as long as they love Jesus. And you see how easy it gets? Because all of a sudden we begin to fear what man can do rather than what God is planning to do. Am I proclaiming Jesus' word clearly or am I trying to make friends? Look at the promise that we are given in Psalm 118, verses 6 and 7. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. And I love this. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. (laughs) Could you imagine if if we entered every conversation about Jesus with that mindset? The Lord is with me. What can this guy do? Uh, I don't want to hear about it. Okay, see you later. What can they do? They can't do. They cannot do what the Lord does. Fear God, not man. Remember this. Then he goes on and he says, as you're talking about that, remember to fear God, fear man. Declare God. Proclaim God. Put out there what God has done. What does this mean? Well, Jesus says, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before the angels of God. If you are proud enough of who I am, man, I'm going to be proud of you before all of heaven. But it's a whole lot easier to say nothing, isn't it? (laughs) It's a lot easier. You know, it's interesting because I have had many conversations, and I've had conversations with people who have been Christians their whole life who have never had a spiritual conversation with a single person outside of the church. I mean, they will talk, they'll talk Jesus in the church with another Christian, that's fine, but they have never proclaimed the name of Jesus to somebody outside of the church. Some of these people for 20, 30 plus years of their life. I've even had some individuals that have said, well, I'm letting my life speak. <laughs> I'm letting my actions speak for what God... Yet the name of Jesus has never crossed their lips. I once heard a statement that says, to say nothing about Jesus speaks volumes. If I don't speak about Jesus, I don't declare Jesus, do I know Jesus? Because they understand this, that we were created, we were created for the purpose of declaring the praises of God. That is why we were placed on this earth. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. 
In 1 Peter 2.9, this is what he says, you are a chosen people. That's kind of a cool thought. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions so that you can sit in church and sing great songs about Jesus all day long. No, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We were created, we've been set apart, we've been called out from everybody else so that we can tell the story of Jesus and what he's done. Do you remember a while back we talked about the demon-possessed man of the Gerasenes found in Luke chapter 8? This, this guy, you know, he comes out and, and he's possessed and Jesus is who are you? And he says, we are legion for there are many of us here. And he's like, okay. And so he frees him of this demon of multiple demons, many demons. And what's amazing is, is the man, if you look at it, verse 38 and 39, he comes to Jesus after this, and the man who says, whom the demons had gone out, begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You know, I'm looking at that and I'm going, that would have been an incredible thing. For him to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to learn from you. I want to grow in your teaching. I would have thought that would have been amazing. But look what Jesus says. He goes, no, no, no. What's important is that you go and tell people what I have done. Let them see what I have done in your life and then proclaim all that I have done for you. In Psalm chapter 105, verses 1 and 2, this is what we're, so, what we're told. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all of His wonderful acts. In there twice we are seen, go and tell what God has done. Make known among the nations. Tell the people around you. Can I ask you this simple question? Has God done anything for you? Anybody? Has God done anything for you? Tell somebody. That's what he says. I've done these things for you so that you can go and tell other people. Oh my goodness, but that is so hard. You know, I, I don't know if I can do that because I might not know the right thing to say. Which brings us to the last point that Jesus brings in. Trust God. You know, this... This to me is such an incredibly freeing thing to understand. Those last verses in verses 11 and 12, as Jesus is saying to them, he goes, look, when you're brought before the synagogue, the leaders and the rulers, you're brought before people that are in opposition of what I have to say, don't worry about it. It's not you speaking. It is going to be me speaking through you. And here's the truth. No matter what happens, I will be exalted. That is my purpose. That is my plan. That is my thing to do, God says. Matter of fact, in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. We love that verse. Be still and know that I am God. We love to sit in the quietness and allow the Holy Spirit to work. But do you get what the next verse says? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Sit back and watch that no matter what is going on, I will be exalted. I will be made known among the nations. How can we, how can we take confidence in that? 
Well, in Acts 1.8, we're given a promise. He says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We come to this place and we go, okay, see, that's what we're supposed to be as witnesses in all Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But do you see the promise that is there? As we go, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through us that is accomplishing the goal in which we're going for. This is such an incredible, when we catch this, when you get this, it is transforming. Because all of a sudden you let the Holy Spirit take over and crazy things can happen. One of my favorite stories, and I'll go through this quickly. One of my favorite stories is we were taking a group of youth up to Minnesota to do a street evangelism training. All right? And we're going and we're, you know, we're, we're trained how to do this, you know, how to just walk up to some person that you've never met before and, and to start a conversation about Jesus, you know, cold turkey evangelism. If you've never done it, it is the scariest thing that you can do. <laughs> but I remember we're doing this and, and we had a couple of, of the young men with us and we're going through and they, they really liked it when we as the leaders would start the conversations and they were just kind of, we're just observing, you know. Well, it came to one point in time, there's a guy who was sitting off by himself, and, and uh, we tell him, we're like, okay, this is your turn. You go up, you start the conversation, you talk to them, we're going to be standing off to the side, we're going to be praying for you as you do this. And I will never forget, he walks up to this guy, he starts talking, in that moment, the guy became so nervous. He was, uh, he was a smoker, and he literally was the whole time, had one in each hand going back and forth. And light, I mean, it was, he did not stop. He could not stop. The, whatever was happening, was, was, and we're like, oh, this is not working well. This is not going well. We thought after this conversation was done, this young man was going to walk over and he was going to be like, never make me do that again. And when he walks over to us, he was like, that was awesome. And we're like, how? How was that awesome? He goes, I don't know what happened, but as I'm standing there and I'm talking to him, there were verses that started popping into my head from when I was a kid. There were things that were happening that were, I, I was saying things that I didn't even know I knew. And all of a sudden, and he starts going on about all this. And he was like, I have never experienced that before. And we're like, you know what that was, right? That was the Holy Spirit working through you. Matter of fact, in John chapter 14, that's where we're told. In verse 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. You see the work of the Holy Spirit there? He will teach us and he'll remind us of those things that we have said. You know, it's, it's, it, it's easy to get frozen. It's easy for us to go to the place of saying, I don't know if I, I, I don't think I should say anything because I might say something wrong. And I don't want to be the one that if I say something wrong that, you know, they, they don't believe in God or they fall away or, or whatever. I, I just couldn't have that on me. Satan has convinced us that we hold the power on somebody's life. Satan has whispered into our ears, you might say something wrong and it will be all your fault that that person is in hell. Listen to what I have to say. You can do it all wrong. You can say wrong things. 
but it's still the work of the Holy Spirit that impacts the life. And I, 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 I can attest to this because through the years that I've been preaching, I probably can't even tell you how many times that I've stood at a back door after a service and some individual walks up to me and says, Pastor, when you said whatever it was, they tell me what I said. And I'm standing there and I'm going, what message did you hear? I wasn't even talking on that subject. I didn't say those words. No, I didn't tell them that. But I was reminded in those moments that it is the Holy Spirit that is talking. You know what? I can be talking and you can be completely checked out right now. <laughs> some of you, okay. Some of you, I <laughs> But you might be checked out in the Holy Spirit. And he could be saying things to you that are reaching down into your heart and he's saying, this is what I've created you to be. And when we go out and when we're not worried about what people say, when we're not worried about what people think and we go into there and we're not even worried about what I'm going to say, all I know is I love Jesus and I want to tell you that I love Jesus. And we walk up to somebody and we say, let me talk to you about somebody that I really love. This is what God says. Great, I simply asked you to be the vessel by which I speak through. And it is the most incredible thing to watch as the Holy Spirit takes over. And you're going, wow, I didn't even know I knew that. I didn't even know I remembered that Bible verse. I can't remember a Bible verse from yesterday. And all of a sudden, because the Holy Spirit works. Trust God when you declare God. Jesus sat down with his disciples and he said, here's what you need to know. You are now entering into the life of a disciple, a follower of Jesus. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. There's going to be struggles. But understand that I have called you to be a disciple. Be who you say you are. Fear God rather than man. Don't worry about what man thinks or has to say. Declare boldly your love for Jesus Christ wherever you go and trust that God through the power of the Holy Spirit will speak through this. You can do this. Just trust me. Just do the next right thing.